0: the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. This morning, I get to be with you again. Uh, for those of you who had the opportunity to uh, spend some time with me last week, uh, you know that I started a, a, a new two week. Mini series uh, today being the conclusion of that under the banner of At What Cost. Um, It was such a fun time. I know it was a it was a serious time, a very sobering time. Uh, This morning I get to now take where I left off and kind of uh, expand on things a little bit. uh, And looking forward to it. But before uh, doing so, I want to just reference the fact that uh, Pastor Marty is going to be back with us next Sunday to start off a new series called The Spiritual Journey. (laughs) I know he's on vacation. Yeah, I know. I kind of messed up the order back there, but. Let's take a look at the picture first. He's having a good time on vacation. Can you tell? You know, our pastor is a very mild-mannered, calm individual who is very, you know, subdued. Um, When he has fun, he has fun, let me just say. So would you continue to pray for he and his bride as they're vacationing? And that that this this next week, as they finish this thing out, it would be a time of refreshing. I know that they're having a good time, but uh, we expect him to come home non-injured from said activities. So... um, but he's going to be coming back and starting a new series called A Spiritual Journey uh, Desiring God's Will on your chairs this morning. You'll see these little cards. Go ahead and grab one and take that with you. On the back side of it, you'll see a breakdown of all the teachings that are going to be done uh, in a seven week period. Uh, I want to encourage you put that in your car as a reminder hey, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to check that out. Or throw it on your fridge. Whatever is your preferred method, this is for you to be able to take advantage of as we jump into that new series next week. But in the meantime, we're gonna dive into part two of of At What Cost. And uh, last week, I tackled the subject of minding your sharing before sharing your mind. And I examined the power and effect of your words, both verbal and written. And I've had several of you uh, come in t- and tell me, whoa, I needed to hear that. I didn't want to hear that, but I needed to hear that. And, and that's how the word is. Um, I love that God loves us so much that he doesn't allow us to stay the way we are. Uh, and he encourages us and woos us to consider Uh, even greater possibilities in surrender to him. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue. But if you missed last week, I want to encourage you, uh, go online, you can go on our app, you can go down to the media section, you can see all of our teachings uh, available there in video format. Some people like to circle back and and get details or follow up or listen to it again. Uh, I want to encourage you to do so. This morning, um, I want to uh, encourage you also, as I did last week, to take notes. Uh, inside your bulletin you got these these guys here for those of you who enjoy paper if not you can go to the app and take notes as well Uh, and i will warn you ahead of time there are lots of notes to take but the reason i've done it that way is because i want you to walk with something Um, sometimes we can listen to something and be like yeah 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 and literally tomorrow someone goes so what was sunday about and you're like uh i know i think it was it was good but you you didn't have something to walk with, I want you to walk with something that you can apply and and reconsider over uh, the next uh, course of your days as you go along in your given week. So uh, take notes. Let's pray first as we ask God to speak to us. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to take in your word and your truth and to consider once again what you might have for us. You are good all the time. And we are in need of that goodness in our lives. And we know you are Emmanuel, God with us. But the bigger question is, are we with you? And are we willing to incline our ear to not just hear, but listen to what you might be saying? And so uh, we do. We set our hearts to hear from you today. Speak to us. We want to walk away uh, with truth, but more importantly, with uh, application, stuff that can, can change our lives and impact us for the better. So we surrender this time to you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Now, chances are your every day involves being around people who are very different from you. In fact, if you look around the room right now, go ahead and do so. You'll see we're, we're a pretty varied bunch. I don't see many people looking around. You're just kind of nervous, right? You're like, do I do that in church? Don't look to the right or left. Just look forward. No, you can look around. We're a diverse bunch. And I love that about our congregation. But we are part of a very diverse world. And that diversity includes culture, gender, religion, politics, different generations, ethnicity, worldview, career, education, paychecks, marital status. There's a lot of different out there. And uh, though we might find others who share our life stage, interests, and other similarities, it just takes a short while for us to quickly realize that no two people are truly identical, either in how they look, how they think, feel, or express their individuality, or live out their life. What that means is, we are part of a very diverse world. And amidst those differences, I've noticed a few common trends and tendencies out there that we may want to reconsider. And I would submit, not fully knowing what to do with those who are different than ourselves, and I think we do struggle with that, whether we readily admit it or not. Uh, And those differences can even find themselves in our households, our circles, our workplaces and beyond. Uh, We at times can be prone to three tendencies, and I wanna spell those out for you here this morning. First set of fill-ins here. The first tendency is lumping people into certain baskets. Lumping people into certain baskets. Then number two, laughing at certain characteristics. And then number three, erroneously hoping and believing we can live a harmonious life with and around them. So this morning, our journey, our itinerary is going to be taking a deeper look at these three tendencies. So let's start with lumping. You know what I'm talking about. Particular words and terms. And this is another fill in here. They're usually plural nouns and or adjectives that by themselves are fundamentally harmless, but when employed with a particular intent or emotional charge, we talked about this last week, like sarcasm and cynicism, they strip people of their uniqueness so that they land into a bin of collective, what I call I've got you pegged. Yeah, I know you're kind. Yeah, you're all alike. That's what we do. Plural nouns and adjectives that strip people of their uniqueness, put them in a, in a, in a bin where we like to just label them in, in, in this, this kind of generalized sense. And those baskets range from being somewhat lighthearted and subtle to dark and pointed in nature. And I want you to try saying one or more of the following preceded by a sigh, right? <sighs> Men. <laughs> All right, I heard the ladies right there. That's was, that was good, right? How about this one? Ah, <sighs> women. All right. See, I'm an equal, I'm on both sides here. How about this one? Oh, millennials. <laughs> All right, how about this one? Oh, boomers. All right? How about this one? This one gets a little bit more tricky. Oh, liberals. <laughs> or oh, conservatives. Right? I chose these particular words because they represent some of the most common examples of the kinds of differences that I tend to hear people sound off verbally or online on a day-to-day basis. This is my world. This is what I, what I see playing out, those particular categories. Now, your list might be different, but in my little corner of the world, differences between genders, generations, and politics seems to be categories people like to lump others into, which gives rise to the second tendency I see, which is laughing, laughing. Now, laughter is an interesting thing. It can certainly be medicine, but it can also be poison. It can be poison. And I would submit that the difference can be determined by asking, is the laughter at someone? At someone. Now, before we examine that question, I want to briefly impact the examples of different, I mentioned earlier in those categories, and uh, I want to do so from the vantage point of fact, not opinion. Now, I got to warn you, what I'm about to share with you is kind of like drinking from a fire hose. I'm going to give you a lot of statistics and details Uh, the goal isn't for you to retain it all, but more for it to kind of wash over you, to go, whoa, these categories are very, very different. We may know it in an experiential sense, but I want you to understand it from a factual standpoint. So let's start off with men and women. Yes, they are both human, but that is about the only way they are similar, and there's a ton of research on this, so don't send me any hate mail. I know there's a kind of move out there to make everything androgynous, but that's not the case. We are very different, and not just anatomically, but more significantly, significantly, their cognitive functions are unlike. Literally, their brains literally operate uniquely. So here are some, ex- are some examples. Men and women remember differently. All the husbands out there go, oh, I know that one. All right, so check this out. <laughs> women have a larger what's called a hippocampus, which is a small curved formation in the brain that plays an important role in the limbic system where memories are stored, associated with learning and emotions. This is why women can tend to recall memories and experiences more readily and in greater detail than men. That's why they remember that conversation from two months ago. (laughs) They know every word you said. Literally, their brains are wired to be able to do that well. How about this one? Men and women approach things differently. I know we know that experientially, but this is a little little more on the factual side. Men often take a more fact-based approach to their environment, often scanning for threats and challenges, whereas women tend to take a more intuitive approach because they perceive people and events more deeply and with greater memory capacity. Just a different approach. How about this? Men and women problem-solve differently. Men tend to converge in their thinking. They define and clarify the problem and begin by eliminating and isolating issues. I see Tim here. You're an IT guy. It's always about eliminating issues, right? We've talked about that, right? But... uh, Women often will define the problem in broader terms and examine a wider array of potential factors before going into solution mode. It's just different. This is why women tend to want to talk out problems and men want to dive right into solving them. I've experienced this wonderful reality in my own marriage. Right? This can be complicated stuff. My wife is like, "Just listen. Don't solve the problem yet." You know, and I'm thinking I'm being super helpful. She's like, "Not helpful." Helpful would mean just listening, and I'm like, note, I will take a different approach next time. How about this one? Men and women deal with conflict differently. Men tend to depersonalize and externalize issues or problems, giving them time to think through solutions, often in solitude. Women tend to personalize and are more inclined to talk through the issue to reach understanding. External processing. And that's not to say that some of, these, uh, main, I don't, I, some of these differences aren't dogmatic. Sometimes there's a little bit of a blending that happens, but these are, these are typical realities that are out there as it relates to the genders. How about this? Men and women actually think differently. This is a picture comparing men and women's brains at rest. Check out this photo here. It's a lot of a lot different activity happening on the female side than the male side. This is why a woman's brain is far more active at rest. Women will tend to want to interact with colleagues after a stressful meeting or interact with family, friends, and relatives at the end of a busy day. These activities help women produce oxytocin, increase relaxation, and relieve stress, which in itself produces even more oxytocin, a critical stress-reducing hormone. Men are very different. At the end of a busy day, men tend to want to shut down and drift off Close off the world for a little while. Men tend to retreat and seek solitude or engage in some low-involvement activity, such as watching the news or sports or working on a small project. It's a natural tendency in a man's brain to turn off, to replenish testosterone, and that releases his stress, relaxes, and re-energizes him. So see, that's just how guys are, so don't get upset with them. (laughs) They're just different on how their brains function. All right, enough about men and women. Let's take a look at boomers and millennials. When one was born has a significant impact on how they live out their existence. Consider these two generations. And yes, I do know that there are more, but since I didn't want to have you here for endless amounts of time here, I just needed to narrow things down. So one was born between 1981 and 2000. The other was born between 1946 and 1964. Boomers and millennials have experienced and been influenced by radically different historical milestones. They have literally grown up in completely different worlds. For boomers, they've grown up with civil rights, the Vietnam, excuse me, the Vietnam War, the sexual revolution, the Cold War with Russia, space travel, the highest divorce rate, and the second highest marriages in history. They were post-war babies who grew up to be radicals of the 70s and yuppies of the 80s. The American dream was promised to them as children, and they pursue it. Millennials, they've grown up with with the digital media movement in a child-focused world with school shootings, terrorist attacks, AIDS, 9-11. Many of them have grown up as children of divorce. They hope to be the next great generation and to turn around all the wrong they see in the world today. They've grown up more sheltered than any other generation as parents have strived to protect them from the evils of the world and they've come of age in a period of economic expansion and kept busy as kids and are the first generation of children with schedules. Boomers and millennials typically have different core values. For boomers, typically their values are anti-war, anti-big government, anything is possible, equal rights, equal opportunities, extremely loyal, extreme loyalty to children, involvement, optimism, personal growth, team-orientedness, work, wanting to make a difference. For millennials, typically their values are achievement, avid consumerism, civic duty, confidence, diversity, extreme fun, high tolerance, high competitiveness, liking personal attention, self-confidence, sociability, membership in a global community, tech savviness, being spiritual, wanting things, optimism, realism, and having street smarts. Very different. How about this? Boomers and millennials' thoughts on leadership and authority are generally unlike. For boomers, typically, they prefer leadership marked by consensus and authority that is impressive in nature. That means having credentials. For millennials, typically, they prefer leadership marked by achievement and authority that is relaxed in nature. So, so different. How about this? The methods and preferences of, preferences of communication for boomers and millennials are often very, very different. For boomers... Typically, they prefer methods of communication to be diplomatic, in person, speaking open with a direct style, presenting options with flexibility, face-to-face interaction that answer questions thoroughly, the avoidance of manipulative controlling language. Whereas for millennials, typically they prefer methods of communication to be polite, positive, respectful, motivational in nature, but preferably electronically via cell phones, instant message, and texts because they're a lot more fun. Communication in person is reserved for only in situations where the message is very, very important. Can you see how we're we're, we're just so different? All right. Finally, let's take a look at conservatives and liberals. The hush falls over the crowd here. And trust me, I'm not trying to open a can of worms here, I promise. But typically referenced in the realm of politics and thrown around by network... Uh, network news channels, these identifying terms represent two different perspectives or ways of thinking on a variety of matters. And and you're like, duh. Uh, I've seen that out there. Generally speaking, those who identify in part or more with either vantage point have a distinguishable convictions and behaviors in support of those beliefs. And here's an important part. Those convictions often are believed to be fundamentally correct with the other side being fundamentally wrong. The most notable differences include the role of government, traditional progressive values, the structure of society, morality, the economy, vision of the future. But I want to go back to that little statement that I just made moments ago, especially when it comes to to liberalism and conservatism. Typically, they look at the other side as, as getting it completely wrong, fundamentally. We have a massive divide in our nation, and it's complicated. For those of... Leaning towards the concerted side of things, they typically place a high value on elements like limited government involvement in the private sphere, free markets, traditional values, religious values, strong personal responsibility, individual liberties, and a strong national defense. For those leaning toward the liberal side of things, they typically place a high value on elements like equal opportunities and equality, governmental involvement in the private sphere, civil liberties, inalienable human rights, and progress. And here's a list where of of what typically conservatives and liberals clash on, and you're like, dude, you don't need to make a list. I can make the list for you. But here here it is. Some of what they clash on. Abortion and euthanasia, the death penalty, economy, energy, climate change, healthcare, immigration and security, gender and LGBTQ matters, the international community, taxes, right? Whew. Complicated. Chances are, I've gone through these different baskets, these different categories, that as you've heard me process them and the respective descriptions, you found yourself either nodding your head, and I've I've watched you. By the way, you guys are so much more awake than the first service. (laughs) I can say that because they're not here. You just show more love. I appreciate the love. I've seen you've been nodding your heads possibly, but I've also seen, and it's a little dark out there, but I suspect that some of you have either been nodding your head, but some of you have been maybe even rolling your eyes. And the reason why is because you've probably experienced how those differences can and do affect the day-to-day living that we all uh, live out, and we all have stories to tell. And chances are, some of those stories are not very fun stories, right? But as I stated earlier, and I'm sure you would agree, there's a whole lot of different going on, and the problem is is that those differences, more often than not, become divisive. And the way they do is because how we treat them, and, and as exhibited in our responses, uh, shows that the chasm is just super super wide, as much as we would love to say that we are a tolerant society and we are uh, we have lots of facebook friends we don 't always act very friendly and that's just that 's just the fact of the matter and I would submit that not knowing what to do with how we are different because of unfamiliarity, confusion, awkwardness, negative experiences, varying perspectives or opinion lack of agreement, misunderstanding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we can often default to a bad habit, and that is laughing at others. Now, notice I didn't say laughing with, but at. And I would submit, you know the difference. I know the difference. We've lived out that difference. Instead of building bridges, to cross the great divides that we say we'd like to see improved between our spouses, coworkers, family members, Facebook friends, communities, heck, even our respective cities, states, and nation. We lob grenades cloaked in humor, blowing up any progress on our bridges toward a better reality. I think you know what I'm talking about. Trust me, and I've done some of it. Pastor Marty's done some of it. Our staff at the church has done some of it. Chances are you've done some of it, and you've done some dumb. (laughs) It happens. We're not immune. And sometimes and oftentimes we're not good at it. But here are some examples in case you're like, well, I don't know what you're referring to. How about this? Texting or posting a funny, air quotes, funny meme or gif, throwing a political view or affiliation under the bus. It's really quick, it's keystrokes, you know? You just push it out, ha, 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 You know, you just, just what we do. We like to get that little dig in. How about this one? Posting a video of someone destroying somebody else's logic or position on a matter. I've seen those. Within the, amongst the Christian community, oftentimes I will see this, and it just grieves my heart. People will post a video of a Christian destroying the logic of an atheist, And I get where they're coming from. They're wanting to share, you know, just how these two ideologies don't work or, you know, deconstructing uh, human thought and that sort of thing. I get what they're trying to do, but it's usually preceded by some snarky comment about, look at how they destroyed them. Wow, so you won that argument. I seriously doubt that the person on the other side of the argument felt compelled to actually follow through on what you had to offer them. How about this one? Making a jab at your spouse at a party or get together with others. I see this happen all the time, you know, because I as a pastor, I, I, I share meals with a lot of people. We go out and we're hanging out, we're doing whatever. And and I think it's meant to be fun or light, but husbands and wives can be pretty brutal with one another. These little jabs, little stuff in there. And I always wonder like, I wonder how that landed. Here's one that I hear women say somewhat frequently. All men think about is, yeah, there you go. (laughs) See, first service, dude, they weren't answering like you are. (laughs) Participation, yo. I love it. So if all men think about is sex and women espouse that and throw that out there, that makes men pigs. And yes, there are men out there who are pigs, but not all of them. And I've seen it said in jest, even amongst married couples. It's like, yeah, just feed him a meal and you know, take care of him in other ways and he'll be a happy guy. And it's like, yeah, there's more to a man than that. And I, I, I see where you're going with that, but it, it's just not cool. You want to be treated with dignity and honor and you want, you want a gentleman to rise the occasion, that doesn't inspire gentlemanly thinking. He's more than that. How about this one? jumping on a bandwagon with your like of how ridiculous you think a certain generation is or can be. And a recent example of that that I recently stumbled on was by a well-known Christian comedian who I particularly enjoy, but his name is John uh, John Christ. Anybody know him? Follow him online? I don't know, some of you see a few hands. Very, very, very funny. But he put out a video uh, a, a couple of years ago, and the title of it is called uh, Millennial International, where he spoofs organizations like Compassion International, where you can sponsor children uh, who are facing huge economical challenges, and he suggests that millennials need sponsors as well. So check out this video; you'll get a little taste of what I'm talking about. I was at church one day, and the speaker that day was um, was different. I just sat there with tears in my eyes, learning about this ministry that was revolutionizing the planet. I'm talking, of course, about Millennial International. The need is enormous. There are over 10 million millennials out there who have graduated with no work ethic, no job, no discernible skills at all. And they have expenses. Housing. Student loans. Credit card debt. And I didn't really realize the magnitude of the problem until I looked into the eyes of a millennial. And, and I saw that face with the, the dead, nothing's happening up here kind of thing. So I went out to the booth after All the right, service there. and I talked with the guy. <laughs> See, we laugh and we think it's, it, it's like super, super funny because it is funny on some level. But I remember a couple years ago when I first stumbled on this video, we were playing it, I think it was something, uh, in fact, we were in that little tiny room which is in this, in this building here and there's like a little conference room in there and we were watching it and seated there uh, on our staff, we had a couple of millennials and one of the millennials said, you know what, this is funny, but this is completely insulting. And some of you have experiences where, yeah, I can identify with that because I've met a millennial that's like that. I get it but do you know how many people I saw like post this video and repost it and repost it? See, here's the hard part. Sometimes, not all the time, the humor we participate in that pertains to our differences appears at first glance to be somewhat benign in its intent. It's only in the aftermath that we realize the extent of the damage that can be done. Cheap laughs can often end up being very, very, very costly. Very costly. And the price tag, very possibly, is the harmony that we truly want, what we've hoped for and believed for. And we go, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just sharing a, l- a little funny thing. No, you're actually blowing up a bridge. The bridge that you were like hoping to bridge, maybe with your teen or a friend or uh, someone that you have been really trying to develop uh, some trust and equity with, someone who's a Facebook friend, but you forgot about the fact that they're your Facebook friend, and when you posted that, you just insulted them. You're just blowing up stuff left and right. I talked about that a little, a little more last week. Check that out if you get a chance. But more than ever, I hear people express how they long for an end to the pervasive division of our current times. You guys, indeed, our world is in need of some serious harmony. And I'm not talking about feel-good, fake versions like this video. For those of you who are a little older, you'll remember this Coca-Cola commercial. Go ahead and put that up for me Here. Buy the world a home and furnish it with love grow no apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtles but you turtle want to dance right it's like i like to teach the world to sing sing with me perfect harmony, perfect harmony. Like all right we can stop it right? See, I think this is, whenever we hear the word harmony, this is what we think of. We think of that poster and, you know, the, the break room at your work and it says harmony and it usually has some tribute statement and some p- image and everybody looks at it and goes, yeah, whatever. You know, like that's ever going to happen. You know, because I think it, it rolls off our tongue and, and we get almost sarcastic and caustic as w- how we look at it because we get those kinds of versions. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is real harmony, the kind where our differences don't mean that we are mean, Insert sinister laugh. <laughs> you know, it's like real harmony is where our differences don't mean that we are mean. Now, having said this, allow me to clarify something here because you right, right about now you might be asking yourself or thinking, okay, Pastor Jonathan, am I hearing you suggest that harmony is about being nice and that that's what we're called to? No. We are called to make a difference in the here and now and for eternity. The problem is we often get sucked into trying to, one, make a point or two, make an example of someone or a bunch of someone's at their expense. That's where the meanness demolishes any constructive possibilities of making a difference going forward. It's really not about the niceness or meanness, really. It's about the destination. But we're never gonna get to the destination if we're just mean, Chances are you've heard the definition of insanity. That is, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. A preferred destination of harmony marked by making a difference can only be reached one way, by being different. In order for things to be different, we have to do different. If if the madness is going to stop, you and I, we, are going to have to stop the madness and be different. That different, so that we can make a difference, means we are going to have to avoid being irreverent, That means showing a lack of respect for people or things so that we can remain relevant, closely connected, or appropriate to what is being done or considered. In doing so, we have a greater chance at making a true and lasting eternal impact in the lives of people around us. I don't know about you, I want to be relevant to people's lives. And I don't mean like uh, following the bandwagon or uh, selling out. That's not what's meant by relevancy here but where people believe that what you have actually relates to where they're at. And we push people away when we're mean. If we can get things right, congregation, only then will our hopes and beliefs for a better reality have a chance at becoming a reality. And so I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up as we prepare to go into a time of worship through song. And I wanna, I wanna ask you something here. What do you need to stop doing or possibly start doing? as we've talked about this, possibly you've thought about a situation, maybe you're like, oh man, I've done that, oh my gosh, you know, Pastor Jonathan, you got me thinking. Another thing you might be thinking is, wait a second, the worship team's just about to come up here, and Pastor Jonathan has just taken X amount of time to share some, some, some details here, but we've yet to dive into scripture. Where's scripture in this whole thing? I intentionally delayed getting into some scripture until right now, and I'll tell you why. I believe our natural tendency as human beings, I'll speak for myself, is I tend to neglect the word in my life, but when it comes to hard subjects, sometimes I like to look at the word almost in a poetic sense, where it's like, oh yeah, that's a great little scripture, without really considering my heart condition. So what I chose to do this morning was to go through and go, look at us, look at how we are, ugh. Let's apply the word to it and not, let's not just brush off the word as you know, cute poetry or, or inspirational stuff. No, 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 no. This is the answer. This, the word is the answer, what God's calling us to. So having considered what he has for us, check this out. I love what Philippians 4.8 tells us. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When someone's put something on your Facebook page that Really ticks you off, let it go. Move on. Don't, don't, don't get into the fist fight. You're just gonna bloody yourself and bloody them, and then you're just gonna be a bloody mess, and it's 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 not gonna go anywhere. It's just not worth it. James 1:19 says this: You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I believe our tendency is to be slow to listen, even slower. Uh, to uh, excuse me we've been, we're so slow to listen very quick to speak and even quicker to get angry we got this fuse it just pops really fast there's a better way Proverbs 12:18. I love this says some people make cutting remarks but the words of the wise bring healing congregation our world is in need of some serious healing And I've given you some examples of where and between whom, that being men and women, boomers and millennials, conservatives and liberals. I mean, we could spend all day listing them. But if healing is ever to happen, to ever have a chance, two vital things have to happen. First, we need to recognize our need for healing and acknowledge where we have done the laughing at and where we have lobbed the grenades, where we have kept the fires of division stoked and blazing. We've done it. Just throw another log on the fire. Don't let that go out. I've done it. We need God to heal our, dare I suggest it, dark hearts. But here's the thing that healing isn't just a momentary thing, it's progressive and ongoing. And it will likely need to happen each and every day as you and I face those moments, those crossroads, where we have to decide how we are going to respond and carry ourselves in the context where we do our living. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's in the cubicle, in your home, at a school, I, and you're in the cul-de-sac. I don't know what that looks like. You're going to find yourself at that crossroad where you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to do the laughing at? Then you're not going to get the harmony. And if you don't get the harmony, they're not going to care about the eternity that you represent. in the midst of those contexts, those decisions, and as we are asking God to continually heal us, I submit we need a second vital piece to this equation. It comes in the form of a question that I wanna pose to you today. With our healing hearts, because God needs to not only heal us positionally, but progressively as we live out this life, as he continually heals us, will we be willing to be healing hands, healing voices commissioned by the healer to this world? And I don't know what that looks like for you. That commissioning to a healing might require you to go and admit where you've been wrong to those you have wronged. As I'm sitting here, as you're sitting here and I'm talking with you, you may go, I need to circle back. I need to not just say I'm sorry. I need to ask some people for forgiveness because I just kept it going. And maybe it's a small matter. Maybe it's a really big matter. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If we ask God in earnest to show us our part in the mess, and if we respond by humbly inviting him into that mess, he will also show us what our part is to be in the wholeness that happens in us and through us. And that's what I believe God is calling us to, congregation, this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we could stop and consider your truth. I pray now, would you have your way in us? As we sing these songs, bring to mind those things that need to be made right both historically, maybe we need to follow up on, but even going forward even as we enter this afternoon we have conversations with uh, friends and we begin to interact that these things would be brought to our mind and that we would be quickened to choose a better way, but we invite you for healing now, but also for healing going forward that we might be your agents to heal a world that is very divisive, representing you, the Prince of Peace The God of grace, the God of love, God of truth. So Lord, we commit all these things into your hands.